Welcome to the Numb Podcast. I'm Charles Chaffin. Today we're talking about FOMO, so you don't want to miss out. <laughs> Before we go there, though, I want to mention a couple of things. First, several people have emailed about the idea of disconnecting, finding you know, short times or maybe even longer times to disconnect from their smartphone, from cable news, dating sites, YouTube, porn, whatever it might be. And it got me thinking about the idea of art. So when I was a doctoral student, I would regularly visit the Chicago Institute of Art. And I would go and I would find a piece there. And it's, ama- it's an amazing place if you've never been. And I would find a piece there um, that I liked, or maybe that I didn't initially understand, which was a lot of pieces there. Uh, and I would stare at it for not a minute, not five minutes or 10 minutes, but stare at it quietly for 30 minutes and sometimes 45 minutes. And as time goes on, as you're doing that, first of all, it's an incredible aesthetic experience of just having that time with the art. And you start to, you start to notice things about it. You start to notice whether it's curves or colors or shapes whatever it might be, and you start thinking about what the artist is trying to depict there. And you're not taking a picture of it. You're not thinking about or worrying about what another person is going to think about that painting or sculpture on Instagram when you post it. It's you and the art. And over that 30 minutes or 45 minutes, not only do you start to notice certain things about the art, but you start reflecting about maybe how that art meets your life in some way, shape, or form. That maybe there's an element of it that depicts a loss of a relationship or wonderful companionship or joy that you have or sorrow or loss or whatever it might be. But it's an incredibly powerful experience. Um, And it also just shows the more that our attention is focused on one particular idea, experience, object, whatever you want to call it, the more we develop that relationship with it and we start to better understand it. So for those of you that are thinking about finding short experiences to disconnect, I highly highly suggest that you go to your local museum and find a half an hour or 45 minutes and go through that relationship with a piece of art. And I think you'll find that it's an incredible personal experience and it gives you the opportunity to really not only appreciate the art, but see where art meets life while you're trying to disconnect from this noisy world. I wanted to mention one other thing before we get to FOMO. Uh, As I record this, it is Saturday, September 12th. Um, We are in the middle of commemorating the September 11th terror attack, the 20-year anniversary. Anniversary seems like a a nice occasion. Maybe anniversary is not the right word. But the 20-year mark since those attacks happened. Uh, I'm sitting here in New York City, close to where a lot of it took place. And I mention it not because to talk about, you know, where I was when it happened, which a lot of people seem to want to do, um, or have an element of this podcast already be outdated when it drops. This will probably drop in 10 days or so. Uh, 
And by that time, folks have already commemorated what happened. But I still think it's important to bring up a piece that was written uh, in the September 12th issue of the Washington Post, and it was written by Sally Jenkins. And she talks about her experience uh, covering some of the, the suffering and the horror of the September 11th attacks here in New York. Um, and she uses the uh, symbolism of a canary yellow bicycle that she borrowed from a bicycle shop uh, here in New York and promised to give it back. And she did. And um, just the, the generosity of the bicycle shop owner, but also the generosity of people during that time towards one another. And this idea that um, through horrific actions um, and death and destruction, there are a lot of wonderful yet smaller acts of kindness that that come from that. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, we were walking uh, last night and you could see the two beams of light. I posted on Instagram just that picture just saying, you know, remember the helpers. And we all are hopefully working to be helpers in some way, shape or form. I find that piece by Sally Jenkins to be really moving. And uh, I wanted to recommend it uh, today, even at the risk of uh, kind of outdating the uh, the podcast or dating this episode a little bit. But I, I think you'll you'll definitely enjoy it. On the other side, we'll talk about FOMO. Don't miss out. This is the Num Podcast. I'm Charles Jacob. now on to FOMO. So FOMO is the fear of missing out. And it could be the fear of missing out on an experience or something important to us or even something really, really basic to our needs. So it could be everything from a, a party to a promotion at work to a lo love in a relationship or a vacation or whatever it might be. And it's a really powerful emotion um, that comes with elements of envy and also some notions of helplessness, right? Where we feel like we're not necessarily in control of being part of whatever it is that we're trying to miss out on. As I write about in Numb, it is exacerbated by social media. So we are seeing, we are witnessing through our scrolling on Instagram or Facebook what other people are posting. People tend to post things about their experiences, about their lives. And we see that. And as audience members to that, there can come with it notions of FOMO. We feel like we're missing out on that. So we are, as I read about NUM, we are sitting at home with our significant other on a Friday night. It's a cold night and it's been a tough week at work and we're sitting on the couch and we're eating Haagen-Dazs ice cream, cookies and cream, my favorite. And we're binge watching, uh, what is it, the morning show that's coming out soon, dropping soon. Um, can't wait for that, by the way. And we're binge watching that. And we're happy as a clam. It's just a wonderful night in. There's really nowhere else 
that we would want to be. We take a break in our binge watching, put down the spoon with the Haggadahs, moderation's key, and we pick up our phone and we go to Facebook and we go to Instagram. And what do we see? We see our friends who are vacationing on a beach and they're frolicking, everyone looks fantastic. Uh, they're drinking margaritas. Or they're, or they're at home having a party or what seems like a party and everyone's so happy. I always like, I always like the pictures that people post of them, them at bars. You know, here's three of us taking a picture toasting. You know, I mean, everyone knows how much alcohol I drink. I don't need to, you know, advertise that on social media, but I digress. So we see those pictures or we see those experiences or those videos. And now the whole dynamic of our Friday night has changed. We went from this happy, content self to what am I doing here? I could be on that beach. I could be in that bar. And the pictures of these people, oh my gosh, they look way better than this person I'm on the couch with. And why are they eating all that ice cream? They're trying to lose weight, aren't they? <laughs> so the whole dynamic has changed just from seeing what's going on in social media. And it's, a, it's an element of bad poker playing in the sense that so many people, you can almost say everybody, but I won't say everybody, but so many people curate so many postings on social media, right? You know, it's the 111th selfie that makes it because it's the best one or it's the best moment within an awful family reunion that gets posted um, or things are exaggerated or things are completely misleading. And it's the bad poker play because we know that we curate our lives on social media, but yet we take so much of what other people's curated posts are as real, as truthful, as genuine. So going back to this idea of FOMO, we're now missing, feel like we're fear, there's a fear of missing out on something that may not even exist, which is really, really saddening. So as we think about this idea of disconnecting or managing our devices without them managing us, so much of that so far in this podcast has been talking about this idea of attention, right? So we disconnect so that we can focus our attention on our work or focus our attention on our kids or our significant other for periods of time because that's what's most important. But it's also this element of being in, in the experiences that we have chosen in our lives and not thinking about what other people are doing at the same time or offering this comparison. I always think about the, the um, you know, those motivational posters that you see all the time. You know, it could be a sunset and it's saying, you know, I don't know, the caption underneath it will say, even the sunsets are fantastic and beginnings are endings and power to the people or whatever ridiculous caption it, it is. But the one that I think is interesting is the one with the swimmers in the swim lane 
And, you know, there's there's like all these swimmers that are, you know, head down and they're going as fast as they can in the swim lane. And then there's the one that's got their head turned watching what the other one's doing. And I don't even know what the caption says, but the idea is don't be watching what your competitor's doing. Focus on what you're doing to be the fastest you can be. It's probably too long of a caption, so I'm sure I butchered that. But the point is, not that other people on social media are competitors, but focusing our energy and attention on what we value, what we think is is most important to us. And then we don't feel like we're necessarily missing out on that. Now, FOMO also has, you know, broad reach. And there's topic areas that are, um, that encompass FOMO. So even as investors, you know, we can we can have elements of FOMO where we might see people we know who are making money on something. Crypto is a great example. Um, and we want to get in on that. We feel like we're missing out on some great investment. I have a friend that's deep into crypto and, you know, he went all in and it's been volatile uh, to say the least, but it's always when it's going well, it's the headline in our conversation. And when it's not going well, I have to ask. I already know, but I just want to ask. Well, we could have that element of FOMO in our investing because we see people around us that are making all this money or or they're telling us that they're making all this money and we want to get in, which flies in the face of, you know, basic rules of investing. This is not an investing show. I'm not giving advice out on active stocks or crypto or anything of that sort. But this idea of FOMO and investing, it flies in the face of the idea of buying low and selling high. Because if we feel like we're missing out on something that's doing well, then it's already higher than low. Maybe it's not at its highest. Who knows? But it's already at this point where it's where it's going up. We're late to the party. FOMO can make an investor very late to the party. So, it's a, you know, FOMO is a really powerful emotion that we're all susceptible to. And, it, you know, and again, thinking about the investment component to it, it's not necessarily only because of social media. We could have that element of FOMO, you know, driving past other people's homes and feeling like that we're missing out on something really, really great that's happening in that, in that house. Um, and it may or may not be real. When I was a kid, I had um, loved Christmas. I still do love the holidays. And I can remember my mom, who is and was a bus driver, and I would ride around with her on her route. And I can remember this one house on the corner of the street where uh, we would drive past. And in January, their Christmas tree would be up and lit and even till like the end of January. And I just thought, what? That's just the coolest house to live in. They celebrate Christmas for like two months. We only got, I don't know, we had the tree up for a week and that was it. I want to live there. It's like the end of January. They must be giving out presents every day. And I can remember like finally at one point, I think I was much older, like in high school, 
and met somebody who lived in that house. And I obviously the the tree made a impact on me. You know, that's the cool Christmas house. And I said something to somebody who lived there. I forget who it was. And they said, oh, yeah, we were just too lazy to take the tree down. We hate Christmas. Like, I I was missing out on something that I wasn't even missing out on. You know, it wasn't even happening. There wasn't Christmas every day. They were begrudgingly putting their tree up and then leaving it up because they were too lazy to take it down. So regardless of that, the point is <laughs> that Social media is not the only source of FOMO, but it's a big part of it now because if we're spending, you know, several hours, uh, several hours a day on it, then we are this audience member to other people. And if they're curating their lives to make them, to put their best foot forward, then we're feeling, we're, we're offering some element of a, of a comparison or we're feeling like there's there's FOMO there. We're missing out on something. So how do we avoid it? So part of NUM is I interviewed a lot of people, researchers, but most notably therapists, because I'm not a therapist. And I wanted to identify some of these things, but I wanted to talk about, okay, how can we manage them? So when FOMO came about, there were basically three things that many of the therapists continually talked about. The first one, obviously, is managing your social media. So finding time, you know, maybe it's not picking it up on that Friday night when you're content where you are, being where you are is important. I end this podcast every time by, if you're not where you are, you're nowhere. And that's, that is related to the idea of attention, but it's also related to this idea of FOMO. I'm happy with what I have. I'm happy with what I'm experiencing right now. And I want to focus on it. And in some cases, I'm happy where I am. I wish it were a little better. I'm going to focus my attention on it to make it a little better, to have a deeper conversation with the person I'm with, as opposed to something that's more superficial that I, that I don't think is interesting and whatnot. So managing our social media, maybe it's even, maybe there are people that are in your feed that shouldn't be in your feed. Maybe there are people that are, you know, you you have some elements of envy um, and you don't need to see it. Do you really need to see strangers posting pictures of their vacations? As we talked about uh, several episodes ago, um, it's easier when we see those things of people we know. Than, than people we don't. Because with people we know, we can say, that's Billy. Billy, Billy ain't got that great of a life. I know Billy. Billy wants to post about his vacation to Cancun from two years ago on a Tuesday morning for people to think that he's still there. I know better. That's fine. But if you don't know Billy, you're thinking, oh my gosh. Billy's got a great life. He's in Cancun on a Tuesday morning. He's drinking a margarita at 9.30 a.m. And I'm filling out this report from my boss. So people that we don't know, maybe we don't need to have access to their social media, that we don't have to offer that comparison or that fear that we're missing out. Taking time away from social media is a good thing, during, during, particularly, as I said, during experiences but maybe disconnecting in general. I, I talked earlier in this episode about connecting with art 
and being one with that that art and that experience. And maybe that's the same with um, our vacations or our dinners or whatever it might be that we're, we're where we are and we're not feeling like we're missing out. And then when we re-engage, obviously looking at all of it with a critical eye is important. The second thing the therapist talked about is this notion of journaling the good things that are in our lives. So in, in some cases, you know, our social media feeds are kind of journals, our own journals, right? You can go back, and I'm sure you've done this, if, you, if you're a heavy social media user, you might go and look at what you've posted over the last several weeks or months or years, I guess. And it's kind of a journal of what you've done, where you've traveled, uh, assuming everything you posted is accurate and real. Um, so it kind of acts as a journal, but journaling, writing down the good things in your life can really help you feel like you are getting those basic things that are important to you. Um, you know, that notion of counting your blessings. What is good for me? And obviously thinking about the things that we want to improve upon is important, but there's just an element of recognition of all the good things that are happening in our lives and making sure that we value them and maybe focus on them if we want to, if we want to make them better. So this notion of FOMO is there are, there are psychological issues associated with it and all folks are susceptible to it. Folks that are younger tend to be a little more susceptible to it, but all of us can be can experience FOMO in some way, shape, or form. Um, and a lot of times it can be if we're feeling like there's something missing from our lives that that we really want or need, then there's an opportunity maybe through journaling to identify that um, in some way, shape, or form. But there's certainly, based upon what a lot of therapists have told me, there are opportunities for us to manage it so that we're not feeling like we're always having experiencing FOMO every time we pick up our phone. And if we're picking up our phone two and three hours a day, that's not healthy for us. So there's lots of opportunities for us to manage it and, um, and make it better for ourselves. Well, that about do it for this episode of the NUM podcast. But before we go, I should probably mention, they can beg and they can plead, but they can't see the light. That's right. Because the boy with the cold, hard cash is always Mr. Right. That, of course, is Material Girl by Madonna. You know, for a podcast that's talking about deeper relationships and art and the value of good things, I quote Material Girl, which is the opposite of that. But it's Madonna. I have one email I want to share. It's from Sheila T. in Vancouver, which I believe is in British Columbia and I know is in Canada. Sheila writes, love the show. I take issue with the news deserts idea that people are helpless victims to the lack of news stations in their areas. They have TVs and they can watch and read reputable news sources nationally. With this COVID misinformation, everyone has a responsibility to find good news sources and act responsibly. Devout listener, Sheila. Sheila, thank you for that email. Um, I mean, I think you make a valid point. And, and by the way, this is the reference to the misinformation uh, episode from a couple of uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think the notion, though, of what we were talking about there with the with the news desert 
was the idea that people have tried to step in and fill that void, particularly at a local level. So that if there, it's a news desert and there isn't a newspaper or, or I don't know, a television station locally, that folks have tried to kind of fill that void by reporting or sharing information on some of those local local matters. Now, I don't disagree with what you're saying in the sense that everyone has a responsibility to find good news sources. And there certainly is um, this notion of misinformation, as we talked about in that episode, um, is highlighted with this with this notion of COVID. I, I think it brings up, I think your email brings up the point that I mentioned on that episode, and that is it's misinformation is not necessarily due to people having these, you know, awful incentives, right? That they're trying to be malicious. There is some of that, but it's not always malicious. It's in some cases, it's folks that aren't, you know, they're not trained reporters or, you know, they're not on the right platforms or whatever it might be. Um, so I, I agree with what you're saying in some regard, but I also think that there are some elements there of people just trying to do the right thing because given the, the nature of, well, the nature of capitalism, that there aren't sources around and people are trying to inform some of their fellow citizens. But yes, we do have a responsibility to get good, good information and act accordingly. Lives are at stake. You're absolutely right. So thank you for that email, Sheila. You can email me at the numpodcast at gmail.com. Love to get your emails. Um, and if it's clever or challenges things like Sheila's, I will read it on the podcast. Some of them I just respond back, uh, and they're usually very, very kind. Um, more often than not, like 99%. But we always get one outlier. Uh, you can also engage me at Dr. Charchaf on Instagram or Charchaf, which is C-H-A-R-C-H-A-F, on Twitter. And sometimes there'll be research papers that I'll reference here that I'll put on Twitter. Uh, the audio engineer for the Num Podcast is Tim Dolbear, and the music is performed and written by the great Jim Torito. Thanks for joining me today. And remember, if you're not where you are, you're nowhere. See you later.